author and the finisher of our faith. The reason that we are here, God, is to magnify you and to praise you and to honor you and to bring you glory. Fill this place today, God, with the healing power that only you possess. Let the benefits of heaven reign supreme in this house today. That as we leave this place, we've encountered you. We've learned about you. We've fallen more deeply in love with you. God, we need you. Our land needs you. I need you. Move like only you can. Restore and redeem. Bring hope so that we can fully embrace the goodness of who you are. Shine bright in this place today and all across our land in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I pray everyone had a blessed Christmas. I know it's different uh, for everybody. Nothing, nothing's exactly the same right now. Everything is kind of uh, strange. It's like we're in a holding pattern. And we really don't know exactly what's going to happen next, right? And um, New Year's is here. And I don't know if you caught my Wednesday night teaching, but... Uh, I made it a point to say, please don't think that just because the calendar flips to 2021 that everything's going back to normal. Uh, when I say that I'm ready for this new year, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily talk about January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Uh, those are human terms. God doesn't work like that. God works in seasons, and His seasons are not documented or dictated by calendar pages or ticks on a clock. So when God gets ready to do something, he doesn't care if it's January 1 or the middle of October. Uh, he, he gets ready to do a thing. He does a thing. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this next season, though. I've got to be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to coming out of where we've been. This has been the most trying, the most frustrating, uh, the most detrimental time to the body of Christ that we've ever experienced in our lifetime. Churches have lost more people. I mean, look around this room this morning. You'll see uh, the absence of people. And it's that way. I'm a, I'm a regional bishop. On the, I'm on the state council. I'm constantly in contact with pastors. They constantly are calling me, emailing me, Facebooking me, uh, asking my advice on things because for some reason people think I know what I'm doing. Uh, and we're all just trying to navigate through this. We have absolutely no clue any more than you do uh, how to handle this. There's no one we can put a phone call into and say, hey, the last time you went through a pandemic, how did you handle it? That person doesn't exist. And so uh, this has been the most detrimental time to the church, to the body of Christ in our lifetime, in several lifetimes, actually. But this too shall pass, and we will see, we will see a brighter day, I promise you. 
But do be praying for pastors. Pastors are struggling. Uh, they're, they're struggling. I've talked to guys that literally confessed to me on the phone that they contemplated not just quitting the ministry. That's, that's common. That's, that's normal. Pastors think about that. Uh, 1,300 ministers quit every month across this land. Uh, they've contemplated suicide. I've talked with guys that I know personally that my number is in their phone, and they have called me asking me to help talk them in off the ledge. Uh, because the church has just taken such a hit in this season. Be praying for pastors. We don't know what we're doing any more than you do. We're trying our best. We're trying to keep everything together. This was not the season I had in mind when I opened up this new building. I I wanted to see the place packed out. I wanted to see elbow to elbow, and we was going to have to open up with two services. That's what I had in mind, but that's not what God had in mind. And so we're just trying to navigate through this. Thank God you've been faithful in your giving, even though many of you haven't even been back in the building yet, but you continue to be faithful, and I know those who are watching on live stream. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful that you have continued to support the ministry because the bills don't stop just because the people aren't here. As a matter of fact, it's worse because we've got a bigger building with more expenses. And by the way, please be patient with us. We are doing the best we can. I know the parking lot issue is a mess. I want to, in the springtime, get the parking lot paved. We're going to need some some help financially to do that, but I don't want to leave this situation. But please be patient with us. We're having lighting issues, and we're having issues with some of the bathrooms, and we're having issues with the parking lot. Please have patience. We did not build a new building. We took a 90-year-old building and redid it, and there's going to be issues uh, in that 90-year-old building. Trust me. Uh, I, I'm not anywhere. I'm only half of that, and these issues right here in this temple too. So um, uh, there's there's issues, and we're trying to work them out, and eventually we will get there. If we would have pushed this opening off until Easter, we probably would have had everything just about perfect. But we wanted to go ahead and get in and spend this winter season in the new house, and and so uh, that's we're just going to have to be living around. There's air blowing in around these doors, the likes of which I I haven't seen that. I haven't saw a draft like that since I lived in that house without insulation when I was a kid. I, mean, I walked by that stairway this morning. I felt the outside, and I knew I was standing on the inside. I could not understand it, but these guys came and jerked the doors out, and then they put doors up, and they haven't trimmed them yet. And there's about a two-inch gap all the way around these doors, so it's cold in all the entryways. It won't be that way forever. At least it won't be that way come July. I don't know about anything between now and then, but I promise you by July it will get warmer. So, uh, but, but we're trying our best. We're working. It's a construction zone. There's dust. There's dirt. There's grime. And some of the stuff's just not working correctly. We're trying to learn as we go along. And like I said, please, please have patience with us. But be praying. Be praying for the church to come back together as a body. Be praying for pastors to know how to lead. I have a very close personal friend right now. Him and his wife both are, just got out of the hospital with COVID. I have another guy that's one of the sweetest guys that God ever breathed air into. He used to pastor. He's one of my best friend's uh, mentors, and he just passed away this week from COVID. Uh, this thing is devastating, people. It's all around us. This, this county has it. Uh, it's the highest. Uh, they just said on the news the other night, uh, Hancock County is the highest county in the state of West Virginia per people. Uh, per the amount of people uh, of positive cases. Obviously, everybody that gets it don't end up in the hospital. Everyone that ends up in the hospital don't end up on a ventilator. It hits a lot of people different ways. But we've got people in our church body that's not here today because they're home because they tested positive. Be praying. It's real, and it's a real issue. And listen, uh, negating it and knocking it down a notch 
doesn't help the situation. But you know what does? Praying to God that has got everything in his hands and under control. That's what helps. It doesn't help for us to argue with each other, fight with each other, try to prove each other right or wrong. But what really helps is when we get on our face before the Lord and ask him to heal our land. And that's where I'm at. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We are doing a series called Life Beyond Ordinary. Uh, life beyond ordinary because I want you going into this next season whenever it begins I want you to live a life that is beyond ordinary because I don't think God ever called any of us to just be ordinary he said I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly but I, I've preached that for over 20 years but I'm gonna be honest with you I don't see a whole lot of abundant life in the body of Christ I see a lot of people living well below their spiritual means. I see a lot of people that struggle all the time. And I don't see a whole lot of abundance. So that's why I wanted to preach this series. And this is the fifth week of this series, Life Beyond Ordinary. And this morning I want to talk about Jesus, which is always a good topic in church. Amen. But I wonder sometimes how much we really know about Jesus. How much do we really know about who he is and what he's like? Over the years, our focus at Promise of Victory has changed. It's shifted. Because I believe when we began uh, this ministry uh, 19 years ago, for a long time, we were preaching to the choir. We were a church that reached people that were well-versed in the Bible, and they already had faith. But where they were attending church or they had dropped out of church didn't teach them on another level. So they came to our congregation where the word was richer. And they were able to encounter God on another level. And for years and years and years, that was the, that was the group we had. And I believe that God's now focusing on us and it's shifting our priority to reach people who have never been reached before. I think that now he is expecting us who know better to start being examples for those who don't know better. I believe that our focus uh, here in this town, which God has blessed us to move to, I believe that he is now shifting our focus to those who need him, not those who just need to learn more about him. Jesus said that if you're already healthy, you don't need a physician. And if you're already righteous, you probably don't see the need for a redeemer. Therefore, it's going to be our understanding going forward that we moved to this town and bought a bigger building knowing that the world is full of people who don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Him. They don't know what Jesus is like. I'm convinced today in America that people often have a lot of misunderstandings about who God is entirely, about who His Son Jesus is, about what the church is supposed to be about. And sometimes those misunderstandings come because we have created a bit of a Christian culture and we preach to an echo chamber and we, we put Christian gas in our Christian car down at the Christian gas station and we talk to our Christian friends while we send our Christian kids to the Christian school and we wear our Christian suits and our Christian ties and everything we do is in an echo chamber and we don't realize that there's a world out there that is stuck on drugs and pornography and rebellion and they're hurting and they've got sexual perversion all around them and in them and we don't realize that they need Jesus that we don't just need to be preaching to one another about how great he is we need to be introducing him to people who has never came to the knowledge that they need him and there's no there's moments where I just want to I just want to strip away all the stuff 
and just set everything aside that I think I know about him and just come back to Scripture and, and say, okay, who is Jesus really? Because I really want to get to know him. I want to know what he's like. I want to know what Jesus stood for. I want to know what he was willing to fight for. I want to know what he was willing to die for. I want to know why he rose from the dead again. I want to know why he's coming back and bless God who he's coming back for. I want to go back to Scripture and start looking at the stories, not just of who Jesus is, but how he interacted with people. And we've been in a series of messages called Life Beyond Ordinary, and we're looking at some of the miracles that Jesus performed. And most of the sermons in this series are showcasing His power, but this morning's going to be a little bit different. This morning, I want to look past the power of the miracle, and I want to examine what moves Jesus to perform a miracle. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when Jesus really sees you in your pain. I'm going to deal with Luke chapter 7 this morning. Luke chapter 7. And I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning about a very personal subject to most of you. Does Jesus care when I hurt? Does my pain affect his plan for me? Or is he going to do what he's going to do no matter how bad I feel today? I want to get real personal. I'm not going to do a lot of shouting. I'm not going to, I, I made up my mind. I preached. All, I, I, I prayed all week. God, don't, don't let me shout and run aisles. Let me, let me reach people where they're at. Let me help them in their pain. Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died, say he was dead. Mm -hmm. He was dead. The young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large, that's going to be important in a minute, pay attention. He was her only son. Mm. And, and, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son. And a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. He saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it. I'm going to back up and read verse 13 again. I want to, I want to show you three things that at the end of this message is going to be very important. When the Lord saw her, he was moved with compassion. Then he walked over, verse 14, to the coffin and touched it. He saw her. He cared for her. He touched her. He saw her. He cared for her pain. And he touched her. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and God visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Now, we know Jesus can raise the dead. Jesus can do any miracle he wants to do. 
He's the power of life and death. He's got resurrection and eternity in his hands. He is God in the flesh. He's God on earth, and so he is capable of doing heavenly things while on earth. So this is common display of his power right now. I think what the crowd noticed that day was something that Jesus was very capable of doing, even though it was extraordinary. Hmm? They see Jesus walk up and sort of move people out of the way and walk right up to the pallbearers. Now, that doesn't happen at every funeral. When the pallbearers are carrying the body out, very seldom do you ever have somebody come up and want to lay hands on the casket. But this is Jesus. They're usually carrying the coffin in those days. They carry it like we do today. We carry it about waist high. In those days, they usually carried the coffins up on their shoulders. And they stop because this strange man comes through the crowd and touches the coffin. Now just think about the sort of difficulty of doing something like that. Think about what kind of faith you got to have in the power that's in your hand for you to do something like that. Can you imagine interrupting a funeral procession while everybody is watching you? You got the attention of, the Bible says it was a large crowd. And you've got everybody's attention on you. What you about to do better work. Because everybody there is about to see you either pass or fail this test. They're looking at everybody going, what's this guy up to? And he walks right up to that coffin, and he touches the coffin, and the boy comes back to life. And the Bible says the crowd was afraid and amazed. They were all struck by the power and the glory of God. I can't believe what he did. Did you just see that? I mean, they went right to Facebook and posted all kinds of pictures. They wanted everybody to know what happened that day. And we read about the story a lot of times, and we, all we talk about is the miracle itself. Pay attention. with me. I don't know how long I'll preach. The clock's not working, so I'm just going to preach. Stick with me. I'm going to show you something because often we look at this and we look at only the miracle. We notice the act of Jesus raising this boy from the dead. And we say, my, how powerful Jesus is. Look what Jesus can do. And we build altar calls around it. And we build churches around it. We talk about the healing power of God. And there are people, and you know them well, who built huge international followings based on the healings. T.L. Lowry, one of my spiritual fathers, his, 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 his following was because he had performed miracles because Jesus still performs miracles. Oral Roberts, his ministry was focused. A.A. Allen, Catherine Kuhlman, their ministries were focused around how Jesus can heal. And healing Jesus attracts a lot of people. But sometimes, can I bring us down to reality? Sometimes we put too much emphasis on the healing. Oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Let me help you understand what I mean by that. When all you focus on is the healing, when the healing don't come, you're faced with a crisis of faith. When your entire mission on following Jesus is having Jesus perform miracles the first time He doesn't do it, the first time it doesn't work, the first time you struggle longer than you planned, you have a crisis of faith because your relationship with Him was based on what He could do, not what He had already done. So I want to show you in this Scripture that yes, Jesus is powerful. 
Yes, he holds the power of life and death in his hands. But what catches my attention in the story, and I think we overlook it if we're not careful, is something that the crowd did not notice that day. And I would dare to say most of you who have read this story never noticed. It's how Jesus interacted with the widow herself. This is what I want to teach you today because there's an interesting thing that comes up in this story that when you start studying Jesus, I told you, I want to know more about Jesus. I don't want to just know his power. I want to know him. I want to know what moves him. I want to know what he cares about. I want to know what breaks his heart. And I want to know what makes him think about me and ponder on me. I want to know him. Not just his show-off signs. I want to know who he is, the character of Jesus. And what I want to show you this morning is how he interacts with this widow because it's a theme that I find when I start studying him over and over and over in Scripture, I notice this theme about him that repeats itself throughout his ministry. And I want to talk to you about, for a minute about how Jesus interacts with us on our worst possible days. In the moments of our lives that are the hardest when we are in pain and when we are suffering, I want to show you through the heart of this widow what he does for you. Because I think the Bible highlights and points out that she's a widow for a very specific reason. Let me give you a history lesson. Not only had her, does that mean her husband has passed away, but this means that her son, her only son, has also now passed away. Why is that a big deal? Because this woman can't go down to Walmart and get herself a job. In the culture that this woman lived in, her husband is dead. Her only son is dead. There is no social security. There is no retirement benefits. This woman is going to be homeless and destitute without the ability to provide for herself. She can't go get a job. She can't depend on government assistance. Her husband and the only male left in her life, her only son, has now died. She is ultimately alone. And the big crowd that is there to mourn the loss of this son is standing around her, but it's still not helping her situation. You know you can be surrounded by people and still be going through hell on the inside. This woman is surrounded by a huge crowd, but her problem is impossible for them to help. And so Jesus comes and interacts with her on a very special way. And what I want to do this morning is draw how Jesus feels about you when you are in pain. I want to talk about this miracle, but more than the miracle, I want to show you how he interacts with people when they are hurting. How does he help you when you are in pain? There's three ways Jesus responds to your brokenness. Three. Number one, Jesus sees your pain. Now, I think some of us, what we want Jesus to do is just fix everything. We want him to just snap our fin his fingers and just make everything right. We're looking for our miracle. We come to church and we claim that. We say, we're going to come and get our miracle. Or I'm going into 2021, I'm going to get my miracle. 
We, we're in pain, and I'm walking through difficulty, and I'm walking through uncertainty, and I've suffered a loss. And what we often want from God is for God to come and take the pain away and to fix the problem or to stop death from happening to us in the first place. We don't want to be where this widow is. We don't want to be suffering and experiencing loss. We want Jesus to fix everything. Am I telling the truth this morning? Part of the benefits of being a child of God is that we can take our, our problems to Him. And when we take our problems to Him, because most of us are parents, when your child comes to you with a problem, your instinct is to fix the problem. And we get that instinct from our Heavenly Father. So when we come to Him with an issue, we come to Him with pain, we come to Him with regret, we come to Him with these, it, these things that are crushing us and killing us, we want Him to fix it. And in this particular case, Jesus fixed the problem. He brought the boy back to life. But I want to point out to you that he didn't do that for everybody. He didn't do it for very many people. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He raised this woman from the dead. He didn't, raise every, he didn't go to every funeral in Judea and come out with live, walking, talking people. Have you ever noticed that this boy went on? Have you ever noticed how weird it would have been for this little boy? He's already died once, and he's going to have to die again. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like living his whole life, knowing one day his number was really going to be up? Jesus had raised him from the dead. And later, uh, this whole generation of people that Jesus was ministering in front of, they're all going to die and pass away. So he wasn't preventing death from everybody in that crowd. He didn't keep everybody from dying. He was just for this one moment in time correcting or fixing this situation for this one woman. And sometimes when we're following Jesus, we look at him and we say, well, if Jesus is really good, if he's really faithful, he should do that for me too. He'll fix all my problems. He'll correct all my errors in my life. He'll put back all the things I've lost. He'll keep me from pain. Isn't that really what we want? I mean, let's be honest this morning. There's only a few of us here. Isn't it really what we want? Isn't it, isn't it true that we really want God to keep us from hurting? We really want God to keep us from suffering. And when He doesn't do it, but He does it for somebody else, it makes us doubt Him. But I'm going to give you a nugget this morning that if you don't hear anything else I say to you, you should write this part down and take it home with you and memorize it. I think we have missed the bigger story when it comes to God sometimes. And it's this. When Jesus doesn't fix our pain, He gets involved in it. He doesn't always fix your pain. He gets involved in it. Notice what He says. He saw her. He got, she got His attention. He did not... Raise everybody in every graveyard in that area from the dead. It was one miracle for one woman. This woman got noticed by God. Do you ever feel invisible? Most of us do, at least sometimes. Maybe you feel invisible most all the time when you walk into a room and, and, and everybody else is there and you, you just feel like everybody else notices everybody else but you feel invisible. I'm not sure everybody understands me this morning but I think everybody goes through it at some point like maybe you're struggling 
through something and you walk into church on Sunday morning, maybe it's a church just like Promise of Victory and you're going through some things and you got some questions on your mind and you got some pain in your life that you're dealing with. You're going through some loss and through some suffering and you don't know why COVID kept you from getting together with your loved ones at Christmas and you don't know how long it's going to be before you get to see your grandbabies again. You don't know if so-and-so is going to get better and they're in the hospital and you don't know if you're going to lose your job or not and you don't know if you're going to be able to pay your bills and you've got all these questions and you're, you're, you've got all this suffering and loss that's going on on the inside of your spirit and you're struggling and you walk into a room and everybody in the room seems to be focused on praising God or they seem to be focused on worshiping uh, or they seem to be focused on smiling and greeting each other and you might feel like you in your pain are invisible like you're unnoticed and you're unseen like your pain hasn't caught the attention of anybody in the room and you may even leave church and be upset and disappointed Gruntled because nobody in the place, not even the preacher, not the leader of the praise team band, not the usher at the door, nobody caught the fact that you were on your last hope, like you were suffering and nobody noticed. But I came here to tell somebody that over and over and over and over and over again, I find in my Bible that when nobody else notices your pain, you have caught the attention of God in heaven and He knows where you are. He sees your pain. He notices your your suffering and you are not alone I wish somebody in this church knew like I know that God has not left you alone you have caught heaven's attention what I see over and over in the Bible in Jesus's life is that he's the kind of God that sees you when nobody else looks your direction when all these thoughts are going through your head Jesus knows them he hears them and he hurts with you he sees your pain he understands what you're going through. He saw this widow. And may I remind you, he was the only one who saw her. You say, Pastor, there was a lot of mourners there. You're right. They were there, but they didn't notice her because nobody really saw a widow. Widows in Jesus' day were not considered significant. They weren't able to go out and add value to the community, so nobody bothered to notice her. That's the cultural situation she found herself in. But Jesus, he saw her. And if he saw her, he sees you. If he noticed her, he notices you. He knows everything about you. One thing that has changed in our church and any church like ours is the lack of altar call. See, people have come to church for years and years and years and years waiting for that altar experience. I'm one of them. I don't know if you caught my Wednesday night teaching, but I told you, uh, you probably shouldn't be the first one to catch me when I finally opened the altar up. I ain't prayed for somebody in so long, me and you both probably just going to shoot in different directions. I'm going to throw you that way and God's going to throw me that way. I, I don't know if you want to be the first one. I might have like a lightning bolt in my hand. when you. I ain't got to pray for somebody in so long. It, I mean, their power of God is liable to just split the altar in, the, in that moment. So, so <laughs> tread lightly when the altar finally opens is what I'm saying. But I miss altar. I miss being able to minister to people in the altar. I miss being able to pray for people in the altar. And, and, and all this has shifted. A lot of people didn't realize how dependent they were on the altar. They came to church, they didn't care about the singing, they really didn't care much about the preaching. They were waiting for that altar because they wanted somebody down at the altar to notice 
their pain. They didn't realize that the person that they really needed to notice them knew before they walked through the door, knew abundantly how hard they were hurting, how deep their pain went, and how much they had already suffered. See, you don't need me to notice you in an altar because the one that put you in the altar in the first place, he already knows everything about you. He sees you in your pain. So if he sees you, he sees what you need, that means, number two, he notices what you're missing. There's two words that get overlapped a lot of times in the church world. We don't really understand them too well. Sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is when I feel pain for somebody. I had sympathy for my wife when she was given birth. I had sympathy for her pain. I don't know what that feels like. Praise be unto Jesus. I had sympathy for her. Sympathy is when you feel pain for somebody. Empathy is when you feel pain with somebody. That means you've already went through it and you've experienced it and you know what level of pain they're on. Let me give you a, 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 a brief description of who Jesus is out of Hebrews chapter 4 because Jesus offers both sympathy and empathy. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 14, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. In other words, Jesus has already walked through your pain. He has walked through your difficulty, all of the rejection and the embarrassment and the abandonment and the false accusations. His name was scandalized. He was literally murdered in front of people. He knows what it's like to be hated and despised and rejected by people who he loved and he only wanted to help. And when it comes to your level of pain, Jesus understands everything that you are missing. He knows exactly what you need. Whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's relational pain, He knows it all. He is touched by your infirmities. His heart breaks over what you are walking through. Now again, I know some of us might ask the question, okay, well if He cares, why don't He just fix it? Why didn't he just stop the pain? If God is so good and he cares, why doesn't he just keep evil things from happening? Why do child molesters get away with it? Why don't he stop murders before they go down? Why did my grandmother get taken advantage of because of their dementia and she lost her life savings? Why does God allow that to happen to somebody? And the truth of the matter is, if God wanted to stop it, he could. He's an all-powerful God. So at any moment he wishes to, he could just stop all of the madness. If one nation is attacking another nation, God could snap his fingers or just think a thought and shut that nation down. But you have to understand where God's coming from. If you ask the question, why don't God stop bad people? By whose measure... Are you talking about who's good? Because the Bible says there are no good but one. So when you start asking God, God, why don't you just wipe out all the bad people? 
Who's the bad people? Because according to the Bible, Jesus said, there's only one good, and he's the Father in heaven. Everybody else has fallen short of the glory of God. And so when you start asking God, why don't you just eradicate all of these people? Why don't you take care of all these problems? You better be careful. Because but by the grace of God, there go I. So when we start measuring sin and dysfunction and problems, we're measuring it from our viewpoint, which makes us look good and them look bad. But God doesn't see you as good and them bad. God sees all my children. And some are this far along, and some are backslidden, and some are one, and some are lost. But I died for every one of them, and I love every one of them. And He doesn't want to erase any of them, no matter how bad you want Him to. He could wipe all of us off the face of the planet. As a matter of fact, He told Moses one time, I'm just going to get rid of all of them. Bunch of heathens, I'll start over with you. So if God wanted to, he could just eradicate the whole human race and he could step in at any moment and control everything. He could make all of us bow to his will. But he doesn't want that. He wants you to choose his will. He can make you do what he wants you to do. But God is full of mercy. And he wants you to experience his mercy. And how would you ever experience mercy if you never walked away? So he sees you. He knows exactly what you need. And the third thing that I'm going to show you this morning, I'll get out of your, your life for a minute. When you're in pain, he moves. It's not enough that he notices you. It's not enough that he knows what you need. But when he sees you're in pain, he moves. Nobody else may move your direction. Everybody else may be walking in the opposite direction because, let's be perfectly honest, nothing will tell you who your real friends are like going through something. Because when you are good time, Charlie, and you're picking up the tab down at the bar and everybody is drinking on your dime, man, you are the most popular dude in town. But the minute you dry up the tab and you get right with Jesus or you start trying to make healthy choices for yourself, you will find out real quickly who your real friends are. When you start trying to straighten up and do right and make good choices and healthy living and you start trying to do the right things, there's a lot of folks that said was your friend but they are not going to go with you on this journey but when everybody else is walking out of your life you better believe Jesus is walking in and he's kicking open open doors and he's saying I am here to move into your life sometimes he raises the dead and we see that in scripture but he doesn't always do that does he sometimes he heals people when they are sick but he doesn't always do that he doesn't always do that in in anybody's life that we know but we know he can we know God can heal and yet every year we bury people if God wanted to take care of coronavirus it'd been gone by now my friend Mick Cox wouldn't have passed away this week because God's big enough to keep him from doing that but you do realize that if every time we prayed for somebody to get well if it went the way we wanted them to, there wouldn't be enough room on this planet for all the people because nobody would ever really die because we're always praying for Grandma to have another day, another Christmas, 
you're never ready for grandpa to go. You're constantly asking God to heal, to to raise from the dead, to bring back from the brink of death. We're constantly, and we should ask those things. But what we have to do is realize that even when I don't see him doing what I want him to do, it doesn't mean he's not doing anything. See, 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 we live on a planet that suffers the physical effects of sin's existence and the brokenness and the decay of planet Earth. We still walk through the pain of living in sin. But that doesn't mean that God's doing nothing. Just because He's not doing what I want Him to do doesn't mean that He's not fixing the situation according to His plan. What exactly did Jesus do? I already told you. He gave her a look. He gave her a word, and he gave her a touch. I'm going to say that again. He gave her a look, he gave her a word, and he gave her a touch. I want you to pretend for just a second you don't know anything about Jesus. I want you to pretend for a minute that you have not spent your whole life in church. You've never went to Sunday school in the basement of a musty old church building and watched somebody, uh, watched some uh, Sunday school teacher put her flannel graph up on the ball and she stuck baby Jesus or, or baby Moses up there in the bull rush and he fell off. You ain't never seen that before. I want you to pretend for a minute that you don't know anything about the stories of Daniel and the lion's den or David and Goliath. All you have to know who Jesus is is somebody's going to open the Bible to the four Gospels and introduce you to this man named Jesus. You don't know any of the stories. You don't know any of the background. You know nothing of Isaiah's prophecy. You don't know anything about a star in Bethlehem. The only thing you know is that somebody's about to introduce you to these four Gospel books and tell you about a man named Jesus. What are you going to know about this man if you start from scratch. If you don't start with any preconceived ideas about who he is, what would you know about Jesus? What would you know if you didn't have an opinion about who he is, but you only had the four Gospels? I'll tell you what you would know. You would know that he sees you when you hurt. He gets involved personally in your pain, and he acts on your behalf. You would find out that he sees you, he gives you a word in your season, and he moves when he sees you in pain. That's what you would learn about Jesus. If you didn't have any of these preconceived ideas, if you hadn't spent the last 20 years learning about Jesus and Revelation, and you don't know about the seven seals, and you don't know about the wheel inside the wheel, and you don't get caught up in all the minutiae and all the extra stuff that we try, and we don't get offended because somebody don't talk to us at the door, or we don't get upset because the preacher did this or didn't do that, or we didn't get upset because they don't sing out the redback hymns anymore, they sing these kind of stuff. If we cut away all that noise and stuff that don't matter to nobody and you only learned one thing about Jesus, you would learn from reading this book that he sees you when you hurt. He comes close to you and he touches you. He gives you a word when you need it and he touches you when you need it. He feels your pain. And he gives you something that nobody else can ever give you. Shut off Twitter. Shut off Snapchat. Shut off Fox News. Shut off CNN. Because what you need is the Word of God that will see you through. He sees your pain. He feels your pain. He gives you a Word. And then he touches you. 
You don't believe me? Keep reading this Bible because this is what I'm doing. I'm on a mission to find out who he is. I'm doing this in my personal life. I want to know who he is. Find out that he kept doing this over and over and over. It wasn't just at this funeral. Jesus is in a dusty street. Thousands of people have surrounded him. The Bible says one woman crawling on her hands and knees who had lost all of her money. She went to UPMC and they couldn't help her. She, she had checked into the Mayo Clinic and they didn't have no answers. And she saw Jesus in a crowd. And she crawled on her hands and feet because she wasn't supposed to be there either. Because unclean women weren't allowed in groups. And the Bible says, out of the midst of all these people touching him, she grabs the hem of his garment. He stopped in the street. He said, somebody touched me. Peter and the other disciples said, Jesus, have you lost your mind? Everybody's touched you. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me and pulled out of me what they needed. The Bible says he stopped. He saw her. He gave her a word. The word was, go, your faith has made you whole. And he had already touched her. See, this is a theme over and over. When you are down to nothing, be sure God is up to something. You are not destitute. You're not broken. You're not down to nothing. God's got some plan for you. And when he sees your pain, he's going to move in close to you. He's going to speak his word over your life. And he's going to touch you. And bring life out of dead places. He feels your pain. He gives you a look. He gives you a word. He gives you a touch. He gives you a, a look. He gives you a word. He gives you a touch. Over in Joshua chapter 10, the Bible said, Joshua and his army were about to be overthrown verse 12 is a prayer that Joshua offered up on the day that the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel and he said let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon stay over the valley of Ajalon and verse 13 says so the moon sun stood still is that what the Bible says so the sun stood still the S-U-N stood still so the sun stood still in the gospel of Mark we're told a story of Jesus walking down the street with his disciples and there's a blind man on the side of the road named Bartimaeus. Nobody can help blind men. There, there's no fancy surgery that's going to restore his sight. There's no, there's no uh, Facebook support group for him to join. He is utterly alone and in a dark world. Begging for people to support his next meal. He hears a crowd coming and he hears that Jesus is in the crowd. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And his disciples, you know, they're good deacons. They come over. 
This ain't one of them promise of victory churches. We don't act like that here. You got to button that up a little bit, son. We're going to have to ask you to leave. You're scaring folks. We don't do that in this church. And the Bible says he just wrung his hands and shrunk down and got real, real quiet, decided he what? Oh, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he cried out all the louder. Jesus! Son Have mercy on me. And this time, he didn't get the attention of the disciples. This time, somebody else looked his way. This time, somebody else noticed him in his pain. This time, somebody else, because he refused to shut up, because he refused to lay down, because he refused to let Corona suck the happiness and the joy, because he refused to allow this situation that I've been going through to make him shut. He he shouted all the louder, and this time, his disciples didn't hear him. Heaven heard him, and the Bible says... In verse 49, and Jesus stood still. See, for Joshua, the S-U-N was the answer. For blind Bartimaeus, the S-O-N was the answer. And the son stood still. And the Bible says that Bartimaeus' sight was restored because he sees you when you hurt he notices you when nobody else does the disciples wrote him off and said shut up we don't do that here and Jesus said oh yes we do and he gives him a word and a touch he sees you he offers you a word and he touches you Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't nobody do me like the Lord. He sees your pain. He gives you a word to address your pain. And then he touches you where you hurt. As God is my witness, nothing has made me hold on to God more than his word because even when that doesn't feel like it's working I know that he has stood still and he is speaking life over me David said, God, I can't hide from you. No matter where I go, you are there. And that word gives me great joy because not only does that keep me out of sin, but that means that when I'm in my darkest realm of despair, when I feel like giving up, when I feel like I'm rejected, when I feel like nobody notices me, David said, you can't go nowhere in the eye of God not be on you. And if he sees me and I'm holding on to his word, I'm going to hold on just a little while longer because it won't be long before he's going to touch me and hear me when I say this death can't stay wherever he touches and sickness can't reign whatever he touches when you get touched by God resurrection power is going to reign over your dead situations and whatever's dead in your life is coming back to life can I hear somebody say amen he sees you he speaks to you and he touches you 
and you are whole. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray right now for perhaps someone in this room that has come into this place with perhaps a sense of skepticism because their pain has been so intense lately. They've been in pain, they've been hurting, and at this moment they just cannot embrace the fact that you love them, that you care for them, that you value them, that you see them, that you want to minister to them. So I pray that you will walk, just overwhelm their heart in this moment. Give them that look, that word, and that touch. Move their heart to know that your heart is moved for them. Lord, I pray at this moment that a relationship would be born between someone in this room or someone watching over the live stream between you and them. If someone is listening to me pray and they don't know you, help them meet this God who sees them and feels their pain and will do something about it. If somebody is here and they're a believer but they have been hurting and they're wondering, God, where are you right now? Why am I going through them? Let, let them know that you are listening, that you see them, that you know where they are and that you care. God, that they may always not feel that, that emotional catharsis, but that it's true because it's forever settled in your word. The scripture has told us you love us and it's true. And Maybe there's a believer listening to me right now and they're just wondering why am I here what's my mission what's my purpose fill them today with hope God that every person that you have created was created for your glory and that through the best of times and the worst of times you are still working your purpose out in their life because we are not alone you are a good, 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 good father. And we adore you and we thank you and we praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house? <laughs> Merciful goodness. I pray this word was a blessing to you. Because sometimes all we do is we get focused on the miracles and we forget that the God behind the miracle... It's more important. Who he is is more important than what he does. Because at the end of the day, if he never does another thing for me, the cross and the empty tomb, he's already done enough. I love you, promise of victory. God bless you.